0: This is a message from the Word of God from the Tabernacle, the New Birth Gospel Tabernacle in St. Nevis. Be blessed by the message as we were on that day. In the game of life, as a a believer and even as (laughs) pre-believers, and by believer I mean one who follows and believes the teachings of Jesus Christ. As a believer... The question is, why are you running? Why are you running? Because the truth of the matter is that every one of us, no matter how old we are, young we are, we are in a race called life. So why are we running? Is it to style off in the latest jogging suit? And I was tempted to, to wear my jogging suit this morning, but it didn't work out. Anyway, is it to come to church and, and, and just to look stoosh, you know, and, and for somebody to say, ma'am, I had a nice pair of shoes this morning. I mean, is it just some place to go, to meet with friends, to scope out? Maybe I'll meet my husband or uh, or or maybe somebody is expecting to meet their wife. Um, because there are many reasons why people come to church. Is it just something to do on a Sunday morning? And I'll tell you the truth, I'll confess there are many Sunday mornings I do not feel like catching up and coming to church. This morning was one of them. I was kind of hoping that there'd be sufficient rain I wouldn't have to roll out of my bed. Y'all for me. <laughs> so there are many... There are some Sunday mornings when I lie down in the, in the bed and a voice whispers to me, Don't go. Don't move. Just roll back over and go back to sleep. You know you're tired, right? <clears throat> but... That's just a small thing for me to have to work through in the grand scheme of things. There are other people who have to press through incredible demonic opposition just to come out of their house and come into the church of the living God. Um, and there are voices that come to them and, and, and they begin to tell them, you know, not going to miss you, you ain't learning anything anyway. Uh, they don't like you, stay home. But by the grace of God, we get up. We get ready, and we show up at the starting line. The Bible says this in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter... Let me just make sure I have the right scripture reference. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 24. And it says, don't you realize... I believe I'm reading from the English Revised Version. Don't you realize that in a race... Everyone runs or competes. But only one person, only one person gets the first prize. So run to win. Only one person gets the first prize. So run to win. In the Olympics, that first prize is what? It's the gold, right? The gold medal. It is bestowed upon the person who is the fastest swimmer, runner, jumper, sailor, thrower, whatever, you, whatever they come up with. I mean, and it, 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 it just seems as if every time they come up with a different sport to add. But what I realized with some of the athletes is that some of them, once they get to the Olympics, it's like, Yay! I made it, and that's it. <laughs> they don't really go much further than that, that I made it, and that's it. They don't expect to reach too far. Others have the mindset, okay, I'm here, I'm going to do my best. Maybe I'm going to make it. But there are others still who come with the mindset, I am here to win. I am here to get the gold, Come, you know what, or high water. I am going to win. And because they are there to get the gold, they set their eyes on the prize. And what I found out in this Christian race is that you need to have a desire to win, not just for fame, not just for what other people may think about you, not so that you could feel like I'm so big up, like I'm so special, but I, I have a desire. I need a desire to win for the glory. Of Jesus. You see, even before the competition begins officially, it has to begin in your mind. When you look at a race or other competition, when you look at the Olympics, you would see many of the athletes and you see their lips moving and you say, what are they saying? What are they saying? They are doing self-talk. They have their eyes trained on the finish line. They are focused. And that focus, it it is demonstrating to everybody around them and to them themselves, more importantly, that this is not business as usual. It's not that my trans broke down and I have to walk fast or run to get to the supermarket. No, this is a higher level of engagement. And they are using positive self-talk. Why? The, the experts say it is to decrease anxiety, improve concentration and focus. And self-talk, it has shown, has been shown, it tends to help the athlete perform better. Are you hearing this? It is to help the athlete perform better. Can you imagine if the athlete is standing on the, the, the stack, maybe they're about to jump off the diving board. Maybe they're, they're about to run, and they're telling us, they boy, you can't do it, you know? You can't do it. You ain't not see that you fell down yesterday? You ain't not see that your arm, you, um, you almost hit the diving board? You ain't remember that you couldn't get in that twist? You're not fast enough. Look, look, look at that guy over there. He beat you last time. It is almost impossible for an athlete to achieve that goal if they are constantly in indulging and engaging in negative self-talk and we saw in the in the olympics that the world-famous gymnast simone biles she hit a mental bump and she could not overcome it for uh, several days and that mental bump even though she had done the moves thousands of times i believe she could not do them this time around because her mind was messed up for whatever reason on that occasion. And that only goes to show us the mind is the battlefield. And the Bible tells us about this self-talk. It says, set your mind and keep it set on the things above. And it says in Joshua... This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But what shall you do? You shall meditate on it day and night so that you'll be careful to do what is written in it. And how do you meditate? It's like you chew it like a cow. You're chewing the food over and over and over in your mouth. You're murmuring it. You're meditating upon it. I remember years ago seeing... um, I think it's Ira, his first name is Pastor Ira Penny from Rivers of Living Waters. And I saw him in the bank and I saw him muttering to himself. And I realized he was saying the words of the Lord over and over. And I said, wow, wow, that is a man who's serious about the cause. And that is how we have to be. We have to mutter, we have to say, repeat the words of God over and over again to contradict negative thoughts there are no shortcuts around this the word of god says if anyone says to this mountain be removed and cast into the sea and believes in his heart he shall have whatsoever he says not so whatever that whatsoever necessarily he thinks although that's important but whatsoever he says because when you speak it out you, you you stop the mental process You speak out and you speak in faith. Your words are containers for power as a Christian. I said to people many times, even non-Christians, stop speaking negatively. Stop saying this thing is going to kill me. You are empowering the enemy because the Bible says the accuser of the brethren, he goes before the throne of God. And what does he go before the throne of God? He said, do you see what she just said? She just said, this is going to kill me. This means I have authority to step in and set a cycle of death in play in her life or his life. Your words are containers for power. So when contrary winds begin to blow, we have to remind ourselves, I am an overcomer. I am more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm not telling you this stuff just because I know that somebody said it. I heard about when I go in the shower, I say these things to myself. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. We're talking about running to win. The other thing that I felt that um, we wanted to look at, we should be looking at is beware false stats. So you're on the starting line. And you have made up your mind. You're going to win this one for Jesus. But even then, when the competition has not yet started, and remember we're talking about athletes as well, it is important to be aware of your surroundings and to be aware of what your body is doing. So too much twitching or moving before it is time to move or making the wrong move can result in a penalty or worse, you can be disqualified from the race. I remember seeing one race. I can't remember which one it was. And there was a Kenyan. The gun went off, but he was ahead of the gun. And they had to tell him, thank you, but no thank you. And they escorted him from the starting line. And I remember that back in the day, you were allowed maybe one or two, three or so false starts. But not today. What, just one. One, and you're done. So, if because, you know, sometimes there's some people who come and they deliberately do that. Um, sometimes maybe to throw off the other athletes. Some of them, it's nerves. But you have to be very, very mindful of what you're doing. So your mindset has to be what you're thinking. And your mindset has to be what you're doing. And it's it's, it's very interesting because the bible says in romans chapter 12 and do not be conformed to this world but be conformed present your body as a living sacrifice so that you may be conformed to the will of god so we have to be conscious of what our body is doing so that we do not get um in trouble in terms of a false stat When it comes to running for the kingdom, for the team of Jesus, there's good news and there's bad news. The bad news is that you cannot always necessarily undo what has been done. But let's talk about the good news to some extent. Let's consider two scenarios. In the book of Genesis, the Lord promised Abraham that he would become the father of not just one son but of many nations. The only problem was that Abraham was very old. Um, And not just him, but his wife was also old. And biologically, it was impossible for the two of them to reach this goal in their own strength. They had been trying for many years and every Every signal seemed to indicate that they were barren, meaning that they could not get children on their own. But this time around, God gave the promise. And as a matter of fact, he gave a solemn oath and he swore that this child must come forth, would come into being. But as you know, um, there's seed, there's time, and there's harvest. But sometimes in the Lord's mathematics, as Joyce Meyer says, there's seed, there's time, and then there's harvest. And when we're in the midst of the time, it seems like it's taking forever. (laughs) Can I get a witness? Forever. You receive this prophetic word, and it's like, Lord, what is going on? I mean, and sometimes the prophets will tell you, before many days... (laughs) But it also says a day is like, a a thousand years is like a day in his sight. What is this? Help us, Lord. So a lot of time was passing by and nothing seemed to be happening. So Sarai, Abram's wife, came up with what she thought was a brilliant plan. She would help God out, as if God needs help. She would help God out by letting Abram have his manly way with her maid Hagar and thus give Abraham the he Abraham the heir he was desperately longing for stick with me and we see how the Bible is a real soap opera because Sarah did this she gave her maid I mean what woman in her right mind gonna put another woman in her husband's bed madness madness you I mean she should have already known that was a recipe for disaster and Worse if Hagar was really cute. Young, young, attractive woman. She got to be crazy. So Hagar did indeed become pregnant by Abram. And gave birth to a son when Abram was 86 years old. But this was not the way in which God wanted Abram to run that race. Somebody say false start. Say it again. False start. Abraham got in the race, but he went in the wrong direction. And that is what I would classify as a false start. So what did the Lord do? Did he cough Abraham over his head and tell him, Boy, hey, I have a great mind to send you back to where you, I got you from? Well, not at all. He blew the whistle on Abraham for real. But instead of telling him, game over, God made him go back the starting line and he put him into what? He put him into timeout, right? But it was a prolonged time out. 14 years later, what a tick. 14 years later is when God brought Abraham properly back into the game. And this time, Abram was able to conceive with his wife, Sarai, and cross the finish line at 100 years old. And his wife, Sarah, was 90 years old, giving birth. And they had no IV. They didn't have any um, monitors for the, for, the, for the newborn. And you know that was, in this, today, that would have been a super, super risky birth. They would have had her hooked up to all sorts of monitors, but she was hooked up to the presence of God. And that was enough to usher them through to that finish line. The good news is that even if you fall stat once, twice, many, many times, God doesn't throw you out of the race. He doesn't tell you, pack your things and go. He says, my son, my daughter, come again. Get up again. Run again. The race is not for the swift. Jesus. You see, he is a loving father and he has employed the best coach, Sister Elder, the best coach in the world, and that is the Holy Spirit. And he comes behind and he helps. He pushes. He said, "Come on, son." Come on, you can do it. He's right there encouraging you. And he's telling you, shake it off in Jesus' name. My God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I also want to, 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 to share what I consider a, a strange story. And this was another kind of false stat. And this story comes from 2 Samuel. Chapter 18, I think it is. And this is the story of Ahimaaz. King David, you would recall, had a troublesome, rebellious son named Absalom who overthrew his father and took the throne for himself and who had his father on the run from his own son. And so there was a back and forth, a battle between David's forces and Absalom's forces. And Absalom got himself his hair. His hair was very long. And his hair got caught up in, in some branches. And one of the soldiers went and told David's general, Joab. Joab was a Taliban. Um, this guy was caught up in the branch. Joab said, so what's wrong with you? Kill the man. And, and, and <laughs> the soldier said, not me not me because then David would be upset with whoever kills his son and you yourself would not back me. Joab's troops, I'm, 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 I'm putting it in our language. Joab was, was upset, got some spears, threw them into the man and killed him. So here's the scenario. Joab wants to send word back to David because David was not in this battle. David would have been back wherever his stronghold was. And we're in verse 19. Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, and Zadok was a favored priest of David's. Ahimaaz said to Joab, may I run and take the news to King David? I'll tell him the Lord has destroyed the enemy for him joab answered Ahimaaz." no 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 you will not carry that message today you can do it some other time but not today because it is the king's own son who is dead in other words this is bad news then joab said to a man from interestingly ethiopia why he had to choose a black man go tell the king what you have seen so the Ethiopian bowed to Joab and ran to tell David. And remember, this is how they, they relayed news in those days. But Ahimaaz, son of Zadok, begged Joab again. No matter what happens, please, let me also run after the Ethiopian. Let me go too. Joab said, son, why do you want to carry this news? You will not get any reward for the news you bring. Ahimaz answered, no matter what happens, I will run to David. Enough. So Joab said to Ahimaz, all right, run to David. Since you want to go so badly, run to David. Then Ahimaz ran through the Jordan Valley and passed the Ethiopian. So imagine they're doing the the 5,000 meters and they're in it for a while, but Ahimaz was a faster runner. Joab had his reasons for sending the Ethiopian who was not such a favorite as Ahimaaz. Why? Because even though the runner was just following orders, in those days he could have been punished just for being the bearer of bad news. The messenger could have been killed. So David was sitting between two gates of the city. The watchman went up to the roof over the gate walls and saw a man running alone. The watchman shouted to tell King David. King David said, if the man is alone, he's bringing news. The man came closer and closer to the city. But then the watchman saw another man running. He called to the gatekeeper, look, another man is running alone. The king said, he is also bringing news. The watchman said, I think the first man runs like Usain Bolt, like Ahimaaz son of Zadok. The king said, "Ahimaaz is a good man. He must be bringing good news. Ahimaz called to the king, all is well, idiot. Ahimaz bowed with his face to the ground in front of the king and said, praise the Lord, your God. The Lord has de- defeated the men who are against you, my lord and king. The king asked, here the first thing the king asks is young Absalom all right? You see where his heart was focused. Now listen to what <laughs> this guy answers. Ahimad answers, when Joab sent me, I saw some great excitement, but I don't know what it was. Now tell me. So he goes off running full speed overtakes the black man who was the messenger, the real messenger, and he gets before the king and he doesn't even know how the story go. He doesn't know what the real message is. Fake news news indeed, brother. Then the king said, step over here and wait. Ahimaaz went there and stood waiting. I don't even know what he was waiting for. The Ethiopian arrived and said, news for my lord and king. Today, the Lord has punished all those who are against you. The king asked the Ethiopian, Is young Absalom all right? The Ethiopian answered, May your enemies or whoever tries to hurt you suffer the same as this young man did. Now, it wasn't the ideal answer, but it was a diplomatic answer. He realized he never even said Absalom. So the king knew Absalom was dead, and he became very upset. He went upstairs to the room over the gate crying, Oh my son, Absalom, my son, Absalom, I wish I had died instead of you. So you see the king did not want to hear this bad news at all. And the strategy of Joab was to send the lesser known and less favored man so that it would be a pre-warning to the king that all was not well. And and you see how they were judging it based on the runner. Based on who the person was who came forward. What is the lesson for us in the kingdom? You must know which race you are running in. We must understand the nature of the battle. We can't be halfway in for Jesus and halfway in for the world. But you see, some people love the hoopla. They love to know in things. They love to be in the excitement of stuff, but do they have a heart for the message? We need to be absolutely certain. What is the message that we are carrying? The message is that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he has won on the victory and on our journey. We're not necessarily going to like what happens. The king would not have liked that Absalom died. But we need to remember what is the goal. To lift up the name of Jesus. To proclaim that there is salvation in no other name. But the name that is above every name. So beware. False stats. And then we go down to verse 25 of 1 Corinthians 9. And it says... All good athletes are disciplined in their training. All serious athletes are disciplined in their training. They train hard. And we see that with the Olympics. These guys are buff. They do it to win a prize. A gold medal or a trophy that will fade away. Back in that time, they would get a a wreath of, of, of leaves. But we do it. For an eternal prize. A goal that will last eternally. So I'm in verse 26. So what do I do then? So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete. Training it to do what it should. It goes without saying. That serious athletes have to bring their A game. When they're coming, they have to bring their best game to the table. Every single time I look at the Olympics, I I, I look at these people and I marvel. I admire their discipline, their dedication, and their perseverance. The elite gymnasts would spend between 18 to 35 hours every week in the gym practicing that's like seven to eight hours a day i cannot even conceptualize that i have to talk myself into doing the 20 30 minutes it'll workout. <clears throat> i heard you can laugh brother but it's the truth i heard andre degrasse the the canadian winner of the men's 200 meter race say that he practices that he practiced twice a day for several hours six days of the week These are people who are serious about their craft, serious about their commitment. They work out in the gym, on the track, at their skill, over and over and over again. And it is obvious. You see their bodies. I've I've never seen so many flat abs in my life. (laughs) Now clearly, if we wanted to be like that, and if we wanted to have bodies that look like that, we have to put in the time, right? We have to put in the time. We have to be willing to make the sacrifices to get to where those athletes are at. And the thing about it is, we like our comfort zone. That is the truth, right? When you are lifting a weight, you get to a point where the weight becomes comfortable. And the temptation is just to leave it there. I'm sure I've been about, about lifting about 20 pounds for a couple of years because it's easy. It's relatively easy. Yes, you, get, you have to push a little bit, but you get used to it, right? But you don't make progress if you're doing what is easy and comfortable all of the time. And this is what Paul is talking about. Um, he said, because of this prize of the kingdom of our desire to please our God and King and Master, we choose to endure whatever we must. He said, I beat my body. And he doesn't mean literally he gets something and beat his body. He means that he disciplines himself to deal with hardship for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the kingdom. And what does that mean? I'll never forget Pastor Donnelly preaching um, a couple of months ago and her, the topic of her message was you can't sleep all night, you have to get up and pray. you know and um, it has been such a reminder to me because sometimes I would wake up at you know two in the morning and the temptation is just to turn over and go back to sleep and but sometimes you're there and you can't fall back asleep. And then you think about, well, wait a second, the witches and the forces of darkness, they're up. They're up and they're doing what they have to do, right? And therefore, it is critical for us to get ourselves, to, to, to discipline ourselves, to pray, to stay in the race, to read the word. Not just once, not just on Sunday mornings, not just when there's a crusade, but day after day after day, after day. We have to get into that word. And as I said, you chew it over. You chew it over. You chew it over. Because the word is, is, I don't want to say magical, but in a sense it is. Because it is transforming. In one sense, it's just words on the paper. But it is more than words on the paper. This thing has the ability to transform lives. And so we see, that Paul himself endured. He said it, but he didn't just say it, he lived it. He was beaten many times, left for dead, stoned, hungry, persecuted, and yet he persevered. He was disciplined, he was determined to reach the goal. He was, det- and that's why he said, I, I had a mental freeze just now (laughs) i i press on to the goal for the upward call of god in christ jesus he said he is determined to know nothing but jesus christ and him crucified he said he's willing to endure the fellowship of suffering with jesus because we remember that paul himself was another taliban he was intent on persecuting the Christians from early o'clock. And because he was a zealous man, he went after that goal with all of his heart. So he was a, 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 a conspirator to murder. You understand and That is one of the reasons why he said, I am the chief of sinners, right? He never forgot where he came from. every olympics they seem to add something new this year it was karate sport climbing surfing and and skateboarding i'll tell you the truth my brother had a skateboard when we were growing up and i remember somewhere between when i was seven and ten um when i was by myself i would steal a chance because you know um, you wouldn't get to touch these things when he was around, I would take a chance and I would try to make this thing work for me. And yes, I, I, I pushed off on, on one foot and it would glide for a little bit, but it never lasted. Why? Because I had no skills to maneuver the board. I didn't know how to, to, to make it stop without falling. I was terrified of falling and hurting myself. And even though I had no problem building up the speed, I couldn't control the speed once I built it up. I couldn't master the skateboard. You know what I needed? I needed training and I needed practice. And this is what we need, saints. We need training. This is why we come to church. This is why we come to prayer. This is why we go in the word. This is why we listen to sermons. We need training and we need practice. You know, I I was giving this this example in in cell group that there was a gentleman who was working um, as an EMT and he had an emergency technician in in an ambulance and he had this desire to have a healing ministry. First time he decided he was going to pray for one of the patients who came in, nothing happened. Second time, nothing happened and so on and so on but he persevered and one day he prayed for a patient and the patient was miraculously healed and from there the flow started. We have to practice and we have to persevere. It is not uh, 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 necessarily, so you have the hundred meters that's over in seconds, right? And then you have The 400 meters takes a little bit longer. And then the 1,500 and then the 5,000 and then you have those long races, the marathons, right? And you you see that the runners for the 100 meters, typically they have a certain build. They tend to be, not all the time, but they tend to be more muscular, more stocky. The longer the race, you see how the physique changes up. And they are slimmer, they have because they are built, hey, hey, they are built for endurance, and the Lord wants to build us for endurance in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Because as I said, it is not necessarily a race for the swift. We have to train, we have to practice. We have to get up early in the morning, sometimes like the athletes. We have to go in the Word. We have to go in the Word. We have to say, Lord, but you said, you said, Lord, the bank is calling, but you said, Lord, I'm hungry, but you said, Lord, I'm in pain, but you said, you said it. And God is not a man that he should lie. And this is the training that we are talking about. We work the Word. My God, we work the word. We build our spiritual muscles until they start to pop out by the glory of God. And we are not content. We are never content. Because we are running with that precious goal in mind. Last week we spoke about the importance in being able to properly pass the baton when we're running the relay. And isn't it amazing? This this thing fascinates me. Such a simple thing. One one person hands a stick over to the other person. Let me do it properly. One person hands a stick over to the other person. The person in front takes the stick from the person behind. It's just so simple. The person in front takes the stick from the person behind. And how much confusion unfolds over the passing of one stick. And that is just to illustrate to us that in life, things are not always as they seem. And things that may appear to be simple, there, there's an old saying, there's many a slip betwixt cup and lip. So you're going to drink the tea and all kind of things happen. The cup fall, the tea spills, you get burnt. Because guess what? Never forget we have three forces. Three, I have to make sure I have three fingers up. You have three forces. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And we are constantly battling against those forces. I remember telling a friend of mine, I don't believe the devil is my biggest enemy. I think I am my biggest enemy. Because sometimes I say, it's not fresh. It's not fresh new sins. It's the same stuff that you fight over and over and over. And you say, God, I thought I was past this. And then, what is this? So you're on the 400 meter mark. You're going into your final lap. And here comes that sin again. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. And that's why, that's why we need the Holy Spirit. And that's why we need We need the support of others who are in the race. I saw one race where the two, they were running one of those longer races and one lady fell. And the other lady stopped and helped her up because she had fallen. And this is the mindset that we need. I'm not in it alone. I'm not in it alone. We need the help of other people. We need to get that call and say, sister, I'm praying for you. I know you're going through this, but I'm pushing you through by the grace of God, by the grace of God. Our attitude depends, determines how far we're going to go in the race. So we see practice is essential. We see that having the right mindset is essential. Having the right attitude is essential. I forgot this, this particular, um, one, this, this lady, her name is Sifan Hassan. Wow. This woman was determined to come to the Olympics and win three medals. So she was in, the 1500, another one, maybe the 800 and the 5,000. So she's running this race at the beginning of the race, early in the race, the lady falls. Now, for most people, you fall and that's it. She got up, she ran, and she won the race. I mean, and this is the mindset that the Lord wants us to have. Because in the Christian walk, there are no perfect saints. Don't, don't believe those lies, eh? There's no perfect Christian. As soon as you begin to think, oh my gosh, I've arrived. As soon as you start to think, I've got it, Sister Nelda, watch out. Because pride comes before a what? A fall. And there are stumbles that will happen. Falls will happen. You will scrape off your knee. Sometimes you break your foot. But you say, if I can get up, I can go again. And the Holy Spirit is saying, get up. And as we spoke last week. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, the great cloud of witnesses are there. And they're saying, come on, sister. Come on, brother. Get up. Go again. Go again. You can do it. You can do it in the name of Jesus. You can do it. Because God says you can do it. Hallelujah. The Bible says in the same Hebrews chapter 12 that in order to run this race we have to lay aside hindrances because hindrances will come obstacles will come and you have to make up your mind that i'm not gonna allow these things to stop me so we fight with we fight with addictions we fight with naysayers we fight with the enemy We fight with our own selves, but we decide we're not going to give up. Now in that time, they, the, the athletes were male and they would strip right down and they would run in a loincloth. So so just covering the promised land as granny used to say, they would run in a loincloth, right? And that was to make sure there was no excess weight. She's passed on, so she wouldn't be upset. <laughs> she, they had to make sure that there was no... <laughs> but the oven is making me laugh. <laughs> they had to make sure that there was no excess weight. And we see that the athletes, they run in very skimpy clothing. Right? And that is to ensure that nothing will keep me back. Nothing will hold me back. I mean, and I can tell you the amount of times I said, okay, God, this is it. This must be the point. You're going to throw me away. This must be the point. You're going to throw me out of the kingdom and say, she just cannot be of me. And he says, but Karen, you were bought with a price. You are not your own. You are sealed. You are sealed with the precious promise of the kingdom of heaven you know in, in 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 law they speak about an earnest it's a deposit so you're going to buy a land piece of land and you are going to pay usually maybe about 10% and you put that down and that says I'm coming back the Holy Spirit puts his seal his earnest upon the child of God and what is that seal that seal says this one I'm coming back for this one This one is mine. I have tattooed this one in my palms. That's what the Bible says. Your mother and your father may forsake you, but you, you are so precious to me. I've tattooed your name. I've carved your name in my hand and I've placed my seal, my seal of promise, my seal of righteousness upon you. And no man, no woman, no devil will pluck you from out of my hand. This is why we're running, you know. This is why we are running. We are running to come into our final reward. And our final reward is to be one with our Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we lay aside hindrances. And I'm coming down now. And this race of life that we're in was one that God is such a gracious God. He said, you know what? To make sure that they know they can make it, I'm going to send my son ahead. I'm going to let him go through it for them. He is going to be my champion. And when they see that he is their champion, they will know they can do it as well. And so, because of this, Jesus set himself at the start line. And he said that because of the joy that was set before him, because of the price he endured the shame and the degradation of the cross. He was whipped for you, for me, for the whole world. Whole world. He was stripped open. Let's, let, let's not make it pretty. He was cut open by those whips. His, his skin was broken open until you could see down to the bone. For you. For me. And it would have been easy. So much so, so easy for him to say, that's it. This is too hard. I can't do this. I can go back to heaven and everything will be okay or I can call legions of angels and they will deliver me from this mess, from this nonsense. But no, he saw you and me down through the ages. He saw Doris, he saw Lucinda, he saw Brother Polanco, he saw Pastor Huey, he saw Whitney, and he said, they need me, so I have to do this for them. I have to run this race for them. I have to lift this weight for them. I cannot afford to give up. I cannot afford to give up. And if you'll stand to your feet with me this morning, I feel that the Holy Spirit, this is what was coming to me since Friday night. I feel the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm sending you with a second wind. Yes, the journey has been tough and long and hard. Yes, you've lost your breath. Yes, you've gotten stitches. But I'm sending a second wind and I'm pushing you. I'm pushing you in the realm of the spirit. And I said, daughter, you can do it. Son, you can do it. The finish line is right there. I'm carrying you through I'm carrying you over you can do it in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus and so father today we pray we ask for the wind of the Holy Spirit to come from the north to come from the south to come from the east to come from the west and to give us that divine push So that we can make it to the finish line. To push us so that we can overcome. To push us so that we can run through a troop and leap over a wall in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We can do it because he says we can do it. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. So lift up the hands that are limp. Lift up the feet that are weary. Because the Bible says... Even young men will go tired, but they that wait upon the Lord, they will run and not go weary. They will walk and not faint. They will soar, hallelujah, on wings like eagles. God is with us in this race. God is with us in this race. And he has declared, you will win. You are running to win. You will win because I have overcome the world. You are not victims, but you are victors. So run the race. Run the race in the name of Jesus. And you may be out there today and you may be saying, What does this have to do with me? You have to qualify. And the only way you can qualify for this race of life is that you need to choose the coach. You need to choose Jesus Christ. You need to choose the Holy Spirit. Just pray with me today. Father God, I'm standing. I'm standing here in the race of life. And God, I'm weary. God, I'm tired. But I see, I recognize that you have sent your son Jesus And I choose him now. I take him as my coach. I take him as my guide. I receive that second wind. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died on the cross. You paved the way and you paved the way so that I can run. I choose Jesus as my own. I choose him as my Lord and my master. And together with him, I run. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the full version of a message preached at the New Birth Gospel Tabernacle Church. Feel free to follow the ministry on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at New Birth SKB. God bless you and have a wonderful day.